Hi, I'm Brett Terpstra, and this is Systematic on ESN. My guest this week is Belle Beth Cooper. Did I say that right? You did. It's a pretty simple name. <laughs> but you you are, you're, you, how, how would you describe your job, your, your, uh, your, <laughs> your profession? <laughs> um... Right now, I'm kind of between two different things. One is that I'm a co-founder of Exist, and the other one is that uh, on a freelance basis, I'm doing content marketing for various other startup companies. Okay, and what is Exist? So Exist is a personal analytics platform. It basically takes your data from various places, including wearable tech like um, Jawbone Up, and Fitbit kind of devices, but also things like the weather and social media and the music you listen to. Um, And we pull all of that together and then we find correlations and insights for you. So you can find out things about what your habits are right now and and what makes you tick and how things affect you um, so that you can make better decisions or just understand how you live at the moment. So it's kind of, it's the quantified self concept. Right. But you've built an entire system for collecting that data, not only collecting it, but analyzing it. Yeah, exactly. I think that's where the big difference is for us is making use of that data because a lot of it, especially if you think about things like social media or the weather, that's kind of data that, about you that is just hanging around and, and no one's really making any use of it. So our big thing is, is to make use of that data and make people be able to understand what the data means about them. Yeah, and I think that's really interesting because, I mean, I, I have a thousand ways that I collect everything that I do online just to kind of as reference, but I'd never gotten into actually analyzing it. And uh, I, think that, I think that would, for me personally, even just my social media, I think it would probably tell me a lot about myself that I've never really thought twice about. Maybe I don't want to know all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's it's... Interesting to see what kind of correlations and insights we find. Um, Some of them you would guess anyway, but the most interesting ones are the things you wouldn't guess and you can find some really surprising things about yourself. Um, I've found things like I, um, I tend to be in a worse mood when I'm listening to music or when I'm tweeting a lot. Um, which kind of correlates to staying home all day and working and not sure. being out about and, and seeing people. So that's the kind of thing where it would have taken a lot of thought and experimentation to work that out myself. But it's fun to be able to see the data right yeah. in front of you and see what it says about you. I'm pretty sure mine would find a direct correlation between number of tweets and number of drinks. <laughs> On a yeah, curve. that would be an interesting one. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um and then you also you do some uh, some content production, and one of the companies you've written for is Zapier, isn't it? Yes, it is. And how do you ever do any of the kind of integrations using Exist and Zapier? Not yet. That's definitely something we want to work on. At the moment, we're working on building out a full read-write API. So our dream is to be able to let any developer plug in any data that they want from whatever app that they've built already. Um, so we'll have a full API for that. But we, we'd really like to be able to integrate with things like Ift or Zapier so that people who aren't developers can hook things up together and, and get data in yeah, um, in, in an easier way. Definitely. I would be I would be excited to to just kind of see the random abstract correlations people make 
bringing in data that you hadn't even thought of yet? Yeah, I think that would be really fun. Definitely one of our most popular requests at the moment is to have custom data because right now, because we don't have the full API finished, um, it everyone's depending on which integrations we've already built ourselves. So there's there's a limited set of data there and a lot of people are saying, I want to be able to choose what data I want because I want something specific no one else would think of. So once we get that finished and you can have any data you want, it's going to be super interesting to see how people use it and what kind of data they're looking at about their lives. Very cool. And you can find this at exist.io. Is that, am I remembering yep, correctly? It. All right. Um, so then one of the pieces you wrote that I think was for Zapier was about open office environments. Yeah, no, I think this might have been for the crew blog, actually. Okay, I'm gonna have to look up because I remember you, you posted it on Twitter and I went and I read it. And it, it struck home for me because it talked about how these kind of these hipster startup office environments with everyone out in one big room along one big table kind of working together doesn't work for everybody. And it, yeah, it especially it's, it's... the introverts, which are not uncommon in the tech community. <laughs> right. Definitely. I I personally I I shudder at the idea of working in one of those rooms. <laughs> who who does yeah. it who does it right? <laughs> it's it's a it's a tricky thing, you know. I don't think I've been into a particular office where I could say this is perfect. They've they've got it just right. Um but I think everyone's kind of trying to to find a balance. The hardest thing is balancing between different types of people, which is something I tried to look at in that piece. Um, because like you said, introverts aren't that uncommon, but then also you, you can't exclude extroverts either and just say, well, everyone's going to work in their own private office and not talk to each other because the introverts will be happy. <laughs> um, because there are so many different types of people and it's really hard to to make the best environment for everyone. Um, and I think this, this kind of, this idea of looking at how diff people's personalities are different and how we work best on an individual level is really important in terms of not just the environment, but also the way the work is set up. Things like what time you work and how flexible your hours are and how it fits in with the rest of your life. Um, and I think there, again, it's, it really comes down to balance, but it's cool to see some of the these new startups like um, Zapier is a good example and Buffer where they offer a lot of flexibility to employees to work out what works for them and just stick with whatever works for them on an individual level um, and working out how to bring a team together where everyone has the right setup for them. I think it's really tricky, but it's cool to see that some companies are, are trying that. Now, you are in Melbourne? Yep, that's right. And what is the tech scene like in Australia in general? Do you have a lot of these startups with this kind of uh, kind of issue? We, we definitely have. I mean, everything's on a smaller scale here. Um, but we, we kind of emulate the US in a lot of ways just on a smaller scale. So we definitely have some co-working spaces which are set up just like this where you'll have music playing out of speakers and you'll have 50 people in the room and it's just totally open space and people are having beers while you're trying to work and um, it, it gets really chaotic. And you tend to have a lot of startups that work out of those spaces rather than hiring their own offices. Um, and then for the startups that do have their own offices, they do tend to, to often have kind of an open plan 
space, um, I guess, to save costs or because it's cool and you can have uh, a pool table in the office. I don't, I don't know why they choose it, but it, it's definitely a common thing here. Sure. Wow. I, uh, I need to find people from some of the more like up-and-coming tech countries, Australia, Ireland, uh, even India, I suppose, although they've been up-and-coming for quite some time. And really kind of talk about the uh, these, these, these similarities and whether what the U.S. has kind of forged as far as startup uh, layouts is really something that should be emulated or not. would be interesting yeah. to see. Yeah, that would be really interesting. I think it's funny to see how some different areas do their own thing, but then also to see the similarities where they, they emulate what they've seen elsewhere around the world. Yeah. Or maybe maybe put their own spin on it and get it right. I don't know. I think that uh, for me as a, a an extreme introvert, I mean, a lot of my friends are kind of, you know, like 50%. They're like, what are they, like ultrovert or... Um, uh, in the middle, ambivert. Ambivert, yeah. Um, a lot of my friends fit there. I am extremely introverted. And I actually have done best in my career as a remote worker with completely flexible hours and absolutely zero personal contact with anyone. <laughs> and that has worked well for me, and I'm good at it. I can get a lot done that way. Um, sitting in an office with, even even if I have my own office with a door, I still I get less done that way. But I know plenty of people who would go nuts doing what I do. Just would not function at all. Yeah. it's. I'm also an ambivert, so I'm right smack in the middle. And so I definitely... I know what it, it feels like on both sides where you can't wait to get away and you really need some time by yourself to focus. But then after too long being by myself, I'm just itching to see people. That's so, so weird to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a weird thing to explain <laughs> to someone who's, who's quite extreme on either end of the yeah, scale. Yeah, exactly. Uh, both sides have trouble understanding the, uh, the position of the, uh, the other side. Definitely. Unfathomable to some people to spend three (laughs) or four days without talking to anybody, but maybe your like significant other. So let's see. You recently taught yourself to to program uh, for iOS specifically, I think. Yeah, I did. And this is for the official iOS app for Exist. Yeah. So initially it was just, I mean, I've wanted to learn to code for a while. um, And I started out actually with... Ruby. Um, I learned some some basics of Ruby and then I didn't do anything with it. I didn't really know where to go after I knew the basics. And then I went to Python, which my co-founder built Exist with Python. So I started learning that. And again, I kind of got stuck and didn't know what to do with it. Um, And it wasn't until I started learning Objective-C that I finally found I had enough motivation just in general because I love iOS apps and I love learning about what other developers are doing. and innovation in iOS apps. And so just in general, I was interested in it and that's where it started. And then it just happened to be that I started working on an Exist app. Did you, when you started with Ruby, you were coming from like zero coding background? Basically, yeah. When I was a teenager, I learned some basic HTML and CSS and I would put together websites just for fun. Um, But that was you know, 10 years ago, maybe. So yeah. um, since then, I'd basically done, yeah, nothing besides just marking up blog posts in HTML. Wow. Okay. So what did you find was the biggest challenge as you went through the different languages and got to a point where you could put together a full application? Um, I think 
Initially, my my biggest problem, I guess, with with both Ruby and Python was kind of understanding the real world application of what I was learning because I started with with the basics and with a lot of theory about kind of the logic of programming. Um, and while it was interesting, I just never got to the point where I could bridge my understanding of the theory to what you would build with this and where, you know, how you would apply these different things I was learning. Um, whereas when it came to learning Objective C, it it was more applicable immediately. I could understand because um, I could think of examples for myself of what I was learning and how it applied um, in a real world context. So for Objective-C, definitely the biggest challenge was just not having, n- not knowing, um, not knowing what I don't know, I suppose, and not having anyone around me who knows Objective-C to be able to ask questions. So there were lots of times when I got really, really stuck and just, I would be down a rabbit hole chasing a bug that was not even the problem. <laughs> um, and, you know, I'd spend hours or days chasing down this bug and find out that it was actually something completely different that was causing the problem. Um, and there was no one really to ask. Or I would, you know, Google the wrong thing and not be able to find the answer to my question because I didn't know how to phrase it correctly. So starting from scratch, there are, there are a lot of pitfalls like that when you don't have anyone around who knows your language well enough to help you. Yeah, I've always been embarrassed to ask uh, because I feel like I feel like I've everyone looks at me as a developer and I'm supposed to know how this stuff works. So I'm always embarrassed to like go crawling to somebody and say, "Hey, I have no idea why this is wrong." And um, I mean, it's it's great to have people that are willing to patiently answer you. It it makes a huge difference. But I too have spent many many hours down those rabbit holes. Uh, or, or crawling around GitHub looking for anything applicable that I can backtrace, uh, yeah. or deconstruct to make it work for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what what has been the best resource for you in doing this? Um, well, Stack Overflow is obviously um, ridiculously useful. Uh, I don't understand how people learn <laughs> programming without it. Uh, I'm, I'm incredibly lucky that it's around now when I'm learning. Um, but besides that, funnily enough, the, the most useful thing is my co-founder. Like I said, he, he knows Python and he's also done some Android development before. And so now he's working on our exist Android app. And even though Objective-C is a completely different language, once I got to the point where, um, I understood the basics of Objective-C and I at least knew where to start looking when I had a problem. He was super, super helpful in terms of just the logic of what I was doing. And I'll quite often say to him, I've got this problem. I've got a bug here and this isn't working. And he'll just say, well, obviously you should do this, right? And I would never have thought of it just because (laughs) I haven't had enough practice understanding the logic of programming and the best way to do things. And, And just in terms of best practices and how you think through a problem and working through the code, he's been incredibly useful and he'll, he'll be very patient and listen to me talk through my code for hours when I'm stuck on things and, and often help me come up with at least an angle to, to follow, to start looking for where my problem might be. Nice. So even even though he's not an Objective-C developer, having a developer around that I can call on whenever I need to is amazing. Sure. And and it's, I don't know, it's nice to have someone who understands the basic logic and algorithms, even if they don't speak your language. They can they can yeah. very, very easily see, see holes in your own logic. <laughs> it yeah. is nice to have someone to bounce that off of. All right, we're going to take a quick 
sponsor break here. I am happy to have Backblaze computer backup software as a sponsor this week. You can support the show by just going to backblaze.com slash systematic and sign up for the two-week trial. And if you like it, it's just $5 a month for secure, unthrottled, and unlimited storage. You can set Backblaze up to run automatically or schedule it for a specific time, whatever works best for you. And they also hang on to 30 days of past file version. There are also Backblaze apps for iOS and Android, so you can access all of your backed up files anywhere you have an internet connection. Even if you just need remote access to a single file, it's just right there without jumping through hoops or one app playing nice with three others. So again, visit backblaze.com systematic and sign up for the two-week trial and start doing uh, the five bucks a month and I promise you, you will not regret it. They have great customer support too in case you need any help. I'd also like to thank PDF Pen Scan Plus from Smile for their support this week. It provides a complete mobile scanning and OCR solution for iOS with one-touch scanning directly from your iPhone or your iPad camera. You can scan multiple images into a single document and it'll detect the photo edges automatically and crop the scan. Then you can use optical character recognition or OCR to convert scans into searchable PDFs. And if you're concerned about privacy like we all should be these days, Uh, OCR is performed in the app and is not sent to any cloud services. You can preview and copy text recognized by the OCR and automatically upload your scanned files to Dropbox and iCloud so you can upload things like receipts and documents right to where they're going to live uh, regardless of where you were at the time. And there are new features in PDF Pen Scan Plus version 1.5. They improve the camera layout, they add image stabilization, and it supports iCloud Drive. Smile did a blog post on scanning screen captures that's worth a look. It will be in the show notes at esn.fm slash systematic slash 124. If you'd like to support Systematic, visit smilesoftware.com slash systematic and learn more about PDF Pen Scan Plus. So thanks to Smile, one of ESN's founding sponsors, for supporting Systematic and all of our shows at esn.fm. And now it's time for the top three picks. You start with your first pick, and we'll go back and forth. Okay, cool. Um, So my first pick is a game that I got for Christmas. It's called Ticket to Ride. I got the Europe version, so it's called Ticket to Ride Europe. And it's, it's one of those board games, I guess, along the lines of Settlers of Catan, where it's kind of a, a gateway drug to the rest of the, the tabletop board game world. And I, I didn't have any board games in the house. I haven't had any for years, but I really love them. And this was a perfect pick for a Christmas present for me because I'm obsessed with it now. And I have the iOS version and I'm playing it on my iPad every day. Um, basically, you, you get a big map. Um, in the original, you get the USA. In my version, you get a, a map of Europe and you have these trains and you just have to pick up cards and collect the colors you need and trade the cards to put your trains on different routes across the map. And you have to kind of get as many routes as you can and try and connect them up and get the longest one. And it's once you know the rules, it's quite simple. It's easy to play and it's really fun with kind of three or four people because it's one of those games where you start to get in each other's way and so it can get a bit tense um, but without being really complicated. So it's a really, really fun game. I think it would be fun for kind of any age and, yeah, I'm loving it. And you can play it like over like Game Center? Like you don't have to all be in the same room, right? Yeah, yeah, you can play. Um, yeah, you can play it on Game Center online, nice. or you can play. I think you can play it on your local Wi-Fi as well. And then obviously there's the the board game versions as well. Nice. All right. That looks. I've been looking for the only game I have right now that I really enjoy playing with other people 
is still letterpress. Mm, it's the, it's the only question. like interactive game. And I've been looking for more because I do enjoy kind of turn-based games that I can play as time allows that it doesn't take like a, a dedicated time period. Like I don't have to block out an hour to play a game, Yeah, but still yeah. be able to do it with other people and have the challenge of uh, someone else's kind of input and intellect against mine. And so, yeah, that looks like it might be uh, a contender. Yeah, it's quite fun. Um, I'm not sure if it has asynchronous play, but I think it does. And it's it's definitely a really fun game to play with one or two other people. All right. Well, I'll take a look at it. All right. So my first pick is called Sesame. It's uh, it's a little Bluetooth dongle that triggers. It, it's uh, ostensibly it's for locking your MacBook when you walk away from it. Uh, triggers basically the full locked screen and then it can unlock it when you come back into proximity but after a little bit of being uh available they added the ability to run apple scripts whenever you came into proximity so i actually am using it now to turn the lights on and off in my office which i had previously tried to do using bluetooth on my phone and it worked but was unreliable and lights would just randomly turn off on me or fail to turn off when I left because like the Bluetooth signal was still faintly available and getting the proximity like signal strength detection became such a pain I gave up on it until the Sesame came out and it uses BTLE and it has been extremely reliable for this purpose and they just released an SDK for iOS and OS 10 and you can kind of bend it to your will now. So I'm working on something in that area right now, but the hardware is my pick and I think it's, I forgot to check a price. It's not too bad. Like 60 bucks, maybe. That sounds awesome. I love that you've hooked it up to your lights. I'm so excited to see (laughs) all these different ways we can start connecting our homes and hooking things up automatically to turn on and off and move around. Yeah. It's, it's kind of a, it's like my sci-fi dream to just have my house follow me like like I can I can I my for 10 years now I've had remote controls for all my lights and and uh temperatures and everything like that but I just wanted to just be fully like my house just figures out where I am and what I need at that point that's been my dream yeah that's amazing all right so what is your actually your second pick looks like it would tie into this uh, it kind of does, yeah. My my second pick is nothing new, but new for me. Um, for my birthday in November, I got a Pebble watch, and they just recently dropped in price. I think both versions, the steel and the original, which is kind of the plastic one in all the different colors. Um, and they've also been making lots of improvements. They recently added 24-7 activity tracking, so you can get the Misfit Shine or the Jawbone Up um, or some other... Um, pedometer apps right and you can just have it running all the time so it'll track your sleep and it'll track how much you're walking during the day um but it was it was always one of those things where i thought it was kind of cool but i wasn't sure i wanted notifications on my watch (laughs) and a little bit like my ipad it's one of those things where as soon as i got it i found so many more uses for it and now i love it i couldn't be without it as well as the notifications you can run all kinds of apps so i've got the weather on there and i've got my calendar And I can check in on Foursquare and I can pause and play music and check the train before I go to the train station to see when the next one is. 
Um, there are quite a few developers in Melbourne who've been building things like local transport apps and weather apps using um, local weather services so it's more accurate. So I'm pretty lucky that there are some Australian-specific apps. But it's definitely worth checking out now that they're cheap. I think it's about 100 bucks yep. to get the, the colourful original one. Looks like And it, yeah. they're amazing. Have you played with programming for their API at all? Not yet, but I'm so keen to try. I'd love to have an exist app on my Pebble so I can see how awesome. productive I've been and how much I've been active during the day. I think that'd be cool. Yeah, no, I, that's the only reason I'd really want to get one is to to hack on it. But I have friends who own them and love them. Yeah, everyone yeah. I know who's 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 gotten one and and started using it has loved it. Yeah, they're amazing. I for Christmas I got one for my co-founder as well. So now we both have them. Nice. Um, and he can do things like play and pause our movies when we're watching a movie. And it's fun to see all the different apps and what you can hook it up to in your house. So cool. All right. Yeah. All right. Um, let's see. So my second pick is a book by my friend Brett Kelly. So I've been or I was for 21 years uh, a smoker. And it was something I tried to kick many, many times. And eventually I discovered... Uh, well, I should say, eventually the idea of, of e-cigarettes and vaping became more uh, available to all of us, and I started getting into it, and quite a, my, quite a few of my friends did around the same time as well, and kind of one of those things that a lot of people laugh at, and you know they talk about your lightsaber cigarettes and things, but my health has been tremendously improved because of this, and then Brett Kelly kind of... Uh, followed in the steps, and he ended up writing a book called The Art and Science of Vaping that's available on Amazon now, and uh, it covers just about everything you'd need to know if you wanted to get into vaping, and especially if you want to quit smoking and trade in for something that's far less harmful to you. Um, so I'm recommending that book to anyone who has a, a cigarette habit they need to kick. That's so cool that you could see a change in your health. Oh, I'm man. amazed that you saw the difference. Well, I yeah. I mean, I was always coughing. I was it, it hurt to breathe and I live in Minnesota, so it's always cold. Um and breathing in the cold when you have a lung full of tar is very painful. And I don't know from the first time I got an e-cigarette, from that very first time I never smoked another cigarette again. It just immediately, I noticed such a difference in my, like, just breathing, let alone, you know, like, actual energy levels and everything. So, yeah, it's definitely been a, a very visible change for me. That's awesome. I no wish I could see such a difference in my weight from the first time <laughs> I went for a walk. <laughs> yeah, I know it's how that is, too. Immediate results. It's so good. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll leave that there. So... <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead and on to your third pick. Um, yeah, so my third pick is an app that's available on Mac and iOS. It's called To Do, so the number two and then do. Um, it's it's very similar to apps like OmniFocus and Things, but um, I feel bad for them because they don't get as much press as the other two. They're not quite as famous, but it's a really, really powerful task management app, and I've been using it for a couple of years now. Um and the, the iOS version got a huge revamp and came out with version 3 just at the same time as iOS 8 came out. And it's really, really great. It's got um, a widget 
for the notification center and the the whole design really suits iOS 8 works really well and it's one of the most clever ways I've ever seen on iOS to fit heaps and heaps of information into that tiny screen Um, they've they've done a really good job with it and it's super powerful it lets you do all kinds of things like you know repeat a task every second Monday of the month and crazy things that that a really simple task manager won't do so if you need something really powerful um, I think it might be a little bit cheaper than OmniFocus as well so if you're looking for a task manager definitely check them out Wow, I'm looking at the uh, the screenshots, and I looked at To Do when it first came out, and it was way mm-hmm. simpler, and it wasn't enough for me. But looking at the screenshots now, like just from one screenshot, it looks like they've added everything that would be of interest to me, or would be a requirement for me. Yeah, I should take another look at this. I feel like I yeah, should at least know it. about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I guess. I guess you must be right that they, they started out too simply and so everyone's kind of forgotten about them because I'm often surprised that more people don't write about them or talk about them. But I guess everyone's kind of jumped into a, a things or OmniFocus um, wagon and, and don't need in it. Well, and that's the else, thing but... is once you get into one task manager, the thought of resetting up your system in another environment gets to be very imposing. And like to change your habits to work with a slightly different interface can be, it can be scary. So yeah, people, people who latched on to a system early on tend to be less likely. It's like, it's like me with launch bar. Like the idea of switching everything over to Alfred from launch bar is I just don't have the motivation to do it, even though Alfred's done some amazing things. Yeah, that definitely makes sense. All right. So my last one, and you might like this, um, have you seen Code Runner? I don't think I have. So Code Runner 2 just came out, and it is, it's an application that can run code uh, in just about any language as you write it. So it's great for testing like chunks of code, uh, anything from Objective-C to Ruby to Python to uh, Perl whatever you need. Um, you just, you start working and it's got a good editor with, you know, auto indentation and everything. So you paste in the chunk of code you want to run, give it a little bit of test data. You can set environment variables for the single run. And then you hit command R and you see the results in the other panel. And it's, uh, it's a, it's an excellent, not only kind of debugging tool, but way for me to narrow down, uh, what part of my code is doing, something wayward that's not clearly like a bug that I can catch in a, in a compiler. It's Mm. yeah. It's just a really good focused uh, programming tool. That sounds really cool. Would you use that alongside something like unit tests or would you use it instead? Does it kind of replace those? It it doesn't replace uh, unit testing. What it does is basically I use it at the front end of the programming uh, when I'm still trying to put together the the actual like stream of code and the in the the logic uh, once it's in unit testing is great but um, this is more of a tool while it's coming together yeah cool that sounds really useful yeah it is it's I've, I've been using I've been using code runner for years and version two has been a great jump forward so I would like uh, to link that so everyone can check that out cool yeah i'm gonna have a look at that all right well why don't you tell people where they can find you sure so you can find me on twitter at bell b cooper 
and you can find my website at bellbethcooper.com and obviously exist at exist.io. All right. I will make sure all of that is in the show notes. And I am uh, Brett Terpstra. I am TT Scoff on Twitter and everywhere else. And I'm at brettterpstra.com, which is, you know, three T's and not, uh, you'll figure it out. Um, All right. Well, thanks for being here and uh, and dealing with the Melbourne to Minnesota time difference. No problem at all. Thanks for having me. All right. And that was episode 124. Everyone, thanks for listening. We'll see you in a week.